Welcome to the Smarter Business Finance Podcast, episode number five, Equipment Lease Funding Sources for Bad Credit. Are you a small business owner looking to take your skills to the next level? Interested in getting real information about financing business equipment and business loans without the worry of getting scammed? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Smarter Business Finance Podcast with your host, Rob Micheloff. So welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we're going to talk with someone from what we call a funding source for equipment financing. And funding sources are the folks that actually provide the money when you lease or finance equipment. And you'll find when you look into equipment financing, you usually start talking to what's called a broker. That, that's, that's what we do. And nine times out of 10, you end up dealing with a broker. And, you know, honestly, in the business, the 90% of folks that say that they're just a funding source, most, most of them actually broker out a significant portion of their deals. And, you know, that's because there's so many little details that can make or break a deal in the equipment financing world that virtually anyone who's going to be successful in the business needs to maintain relationships with multiple different banks and private funding sources because you know you know we we deal with some folks that only do trucks and some folks that only do trucks that are between this old and this old and some that won't look at trucks at all and some that only do good credit and some that only do bad credit and some that will only do a deal if you come up with x amount of collateral and so ultimately you know you can only do uh, one or two things well and ultimately the folks that finance equipment well in, in, in terms of underwriting and, and analyzing credit and so forth usually are, are very poor at the actual process of acquiring customers, uh, what a broker does. And for that reason, a lot of the most important funding sources that you may have to access in order to get the financing that's the best fit for your business can only be accessed through brokers because a significant portion of the industry only deals with brokers and does not have what's called an origination arm or people that go out and try to generate business directly with either equipment sellers or the folks that are buying equipment, small business owners that are, and are trying to finance it. And today we're going to talk with one of those, some folks at Black River Business Capital. We're going to speak to the president, Rob Childers. And I hope to have a lot more of the actual funders to be able to come on the show so that we can give you an inside look at how the rates and the risks and the different things about qualifying are actually determined. So with that, let's go ahead and start the interview. Okay, everybody, we're here today with Rob Childers. Rob is the president of Black River Business Capital, a funding source that Smarter Finance uses uh, a lot of times when we have folks that, that have rougher credit or some other issues that, that make it difficult to get funding. So, uh, Rob, can you tell everybody who Black River is? Sure. Black River, uh, we are a, a direct funding source that uh, assists small and medium-sized businesses with their equipment financing needs. Uh, most of the customers that we help either are a less established business, a startup business, or the owner has less than perfect credit. 
Okay. So typically someone that's been turned down by a bank or, or one of our, uh, we call it A funding sources when, when folks have, you know, like a few years time in business and a 700 credit score and so forth. Yeah. So, so a lot of our customers are, are just outside of bankable. So something in the, uh, what you would reference as a, as a B credit. Okay. All the way to a customer with more challenged credit history or, or a much less established business, a, a startup with no history or, or the equipment is something that's more difficult to finance. So uh, we have a wide array of, of, of credits and profiles that, of customers and business owners that we're able to assist with their equipment financing. But, but yes, uh, they, most of our customers that we help finance equipment have been turned down by a bank or traditional funding source and aren't able to access the capital they need to acquire the business essential equipment that their business needs. Okay. Can you elaborate on equipment that's difficult to finance? What what would that look like? Like what kind of equipment have you looked at or financed that other people wouldn't touch? Well, it's not necessarily something that, that another funding source wouldn't touch, but something that's more difficult to finance because the it's more difficult, frankly, to repossess or to remarket once you do repossess it. So Highly specialized equipment would fall into in that category. Anything for any industry that is uh, particularly specialized and more difficult to remarket if the lease doesn't work out or the finance agreement doesn't work out or their business doesn't work out and we end up with the equipment, it's just harder to find a home for it. Therefore, it's more difficult to finance. It could be something like that, specialized, or it could be something that's quite common like a POS system that is just a, a, a type of equipment that usually requires a stronger credit profile and a company with more time in business and more operating history in order to obtain financing. So we look at we look at the type of equipment is one of the major inputs into how we how we underwrite and how we uh put together terms uh, for for customers and business owners. The other two major inputs being the credit history and the cash flow that that business is depositing on a monthly basis. Gotcha, gotcha. So now, do you work with customers directly, or uh, how do how do how do people how how does someone that's, for example, needing to get their dump truck financed access Black River Capital? So we we are a hundred percent broker originated, but oftentimes uh, customers, end users, business owners contact us directly. And we work with them and put them in contact with uh, an equipment leasing broker or or a uh, an advisor that can that can assist with making sure that Black River is the right fit for them. Okay. So we do interact a lot with business owners and users, uh, and we finance uh, uh, equipment for them. Vendors contact us also, but but what we do is always include a third party broker. Because that's that's where our business is originated from. We're not an originator, uh, so to speak. So so while we are contacted directly, and business owners and end users can contact us, we'll have a frank conversation about what they can expect, and and we'll try to be a, a valued advisor to them. But uh, most often, we're going to, or all the time, we're going to include a a um, broker in the in the transaction. Gotcha. So, and what what are your typical rates? Our rates start at fifteen percent, so that would be our outside of bankable kind of B minus type credit uh, might have some time in business, 
certainly wouldn't be a startup, but might not have perfect credit, but uh, would be equipment that would be with a defined secondary market, title assets, the, that type of equipment usually falls into, into that uh, credit tier, kind of the B-minus range. But our average transaction is, is a C to D credit, which would be a 25 to 35% rate. Okay. Now, a lot of uh, our customers, when we end up getting a proposal out to them from for someone with less than perfect credit, they, they get a little bit upset at first. And, in fact, I've sometimes been likened – or I wouldn't say lichen, but you know, people ask, are, are you loan sharks or what? And so sure. how do you answer that? Is, uh, are we loan sharks? No. The simple answer is no. So the, the, every single transaction has to be entered in to put, put the customer in a position to be successful. So we talk about rate. What we really should be talking about is the cost of, of ownership. What's the payment? And maybe that would be in relation to what does it cost to rent the equipment now that they're not able to to obtain and eventually own. So you're comparing it to a rental payment. But really what we're focused on is is making sure that we're putting each customer, each business owner, in a position to be successful. So if they expect to generate a certain amount of revenue from the equipment, then we always look at that relationship between payment and revenue generated and make sure that it that it makes sense for them. Yeah. So that, that's really what our business is all about. Whether they're a new business, an established business with less than perfect credit, it doesn't really matter. What we're trying to do is put something in place that, that puts them in a position to succeed. Great. And let me elaborate on that because we were just talking before the call we actually funded a deal with Black River today where the business owner was paying six or I think it's six or seven thousand dollars a month in rental fees and of course having no ownership at the end for some equipment. And Black River did the deal and the customer's payment ended up being twenty two hundred dollars a month. So right off the bat, he's saving north of three thousand dollars a month. And at the end of the term, he's going to own that equipment and have an asset. So the question of what's the rate doesn't even come into the equation. Not, not in that case. And, and, and frankly, when someone asks you or is offended by the rate, uh, we have really realistic uh, conversations, as do you when you're advising business owners, with what their options are. And oftentimes the way to rebuild credit, which is a, a topic that we haven't even addressed yet, is to simply obtain it the best way you can, make sure that it makes uh, economic sense, and uh, establish a, a pay history. We have a graduation program at Black River, so oftentimes a, a newer business might finance a piece of equipment with us and come back to us nine months later. If we have nine to 12 months of pay history, that person's uh, going to graduate to a, a different pricing tier. And that's really what our, our model is set up to do, is to is to help businesses improve their, their position, help them improve their business credit, help the owner improve their personal credit, and long-term put them in a position to acquire the, the equipment they need uh, with better terms down the road. Great. So, you know, also related, related to, to, to rates, I think it's important to talk about what, what percent of the time when you loan money or, or do an equipment lease for somebody, what, what percent of your leases do you expect will ultimately go into default? That's a great question. So 
it's very easy to start a company in in our industry and begin lending money to to people that need access to capital. There are plenty of hardworking business owners out there that have been that have been declined by banks as banks have tightened up and by secondary lenders as a, as they have likewise uh, tightened up over the last five years. So, an important question is then, what does our business look like internally, and and how many of those transactions that we fund do we end up chasing our money, for lack of a better term. And and the answer is about 20% of our leases or loans will end up assigned to one of our collectors, and about 10% will result in default uh, repossession and be placed with our legal department. So those are very general numbers, and certainly they're not linear, and they change from quarter to quarter and year to year, but but that that is the average in, in the type of customer that we're helping. So that's a that's an important thing to to discuss when you're talking about rate. And now that that's as an average. If we we start to see a recession, what what happens to the default rates then? Do they double? Do they triple? Or do they stay roughly the same? No, they most likely they double. So okay. you you would see forty percent of our contracts would end up assigned to a collector, and that just means when I say assigned to a collector, that means that. We're having to spend time, money, resources to have people contact our customers and and collect money outside of the regular payment schedule. That doesn't mean that we don't get paid. It just means that it costs us more money to to interact with that customer, and uh, they pay us if it's a 36-month lease. Maybe we get our money over 48 months, and so our yield or the rate goes down. There are fees assessed. It's 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 not in the best interest of either party. But uh, in that scenario, a recession, uh, it would go to 40% would be assigned to a collector and probably 10%, I mean, I'm sorry, 20% would end up in a default situation with a repossession, voluntary or involuntary, and be placed with our legal department. So that's really what our, our business is set up for is, is a recession uh, environment. And, and certainly the industry has done really well over the last five years. It won't be that way forever. We'll get another recession, and 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 there'll be there'll be uh, uh, higher default rates. Okay. And so a lot of times the, the uh, we get a question. Well, what what does it matter? It's a securitized loan. If I don't make the payments, you'll take the equipment. How? What, if you could maybe talk about how much is actually recovered uh, when equipment is is repossessed. That's another great question. I had a I had a conversation with a customer today, and he said. I'd like you to just take uh, the car hauler trailer back for me. I don't want to be in the business anymore. The problem with that is that we are dealing with either specialized equipment with with a very very narrow secondary market or or used equipment where it's a very inefficient market. So you might get an asset that brings fifty thousand dollars, and uh, three months later, depending upon where it is, what condition it's in, it might bring uh, thirty thousand dollars. So with that type of, of inefficiency in the, in the secondary market or, or inconsistency, I should say, the industry average is a recovery rate of 30%. So we work very hard and diligently to, to achieve better numbers than that, not just for ourselves, but for our customers. When a customer, things happen. When a customer becomes ill, when they have a death in the family, when they fall on hard times, we really want to get as much as we can for that asset so we can close out that contract and we can release them of any liability on the contract. So we're really working to get 
the, the, the most we can for each asset for, for both parties involved. As I said, uh, from the, from the outset, we're, we're interested in, in successful, happy customers and, and our company being successful as well. So we're always trying to get as much as we can for every asset. Having said that, 30% is the industry average and averages are what they are for a reason. So we work very hard to, to, to get closer to the 50 or 60% number, but 30 is the average, and that's that's what you have to use when you're assuming what you'll get for, for assets when you get them back. Now, when you say 30% is the average, like take a, a $20,000 tow truck or something, and so you're saying you only recover $6,000 on average. Is that because you only get $6,000 when you auction it, or are there other costs involved? It's it's both. So there are costs associated with going to pick it up. There are costs associated with finding it at times. There are costs associated with storing it. There are costs associated with remarketing it. And then there's a timing. So when your money is sitting in any asset and you're not collecting anything on it, it's it's the time value and the opportunity cost where that money could have been somewhere else. So it's all those things put together on top of the fact that if you go to auction an asset, even if it's a very liquid market and you can get, for example, a highly sought-after brand of truck, okay. a Peterbilt truck, for example, a dump truck, a Class A truck, anything like that that's, that's, that's in good condition, you're going to be able to get money for that truck within 24 to 48 hours, but you're going to get the wholesale price. The customer has always financed things at – retail or private party prices. So there's always going to be a good spread. In the best situation, you, you'll be lucky to get 75 cents on the dollar when you go to remarket an asset. Gotcha. So another thing I'd like to talk about with you, you have an equipment-backed working capital program that can be used as an alternative to, you know, I call them the yucky merchant cash advance or or daily payment working capital products. Can you can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So our program is a program where a customer needs cash uh, to to inject liquidity into their business, and they own equipment that they can uh, basically leverage. We are able to advance up to fifty percent of the auction liquidation value of an asset. We only advance against titled assets. On a rare occasion, a piece of yellow iron we can advance against. But in that situation, the, the payment is a monthly payment versus a daily payment with the, with the Merchant Cash Advantage product. The rate is almost always lower. Matter of fact, I'll just say always. I, always and never are words I'd like to stay away from, but I'd say always. And the term is always longer. So our average term on our sale leaseback or uh, working capital a secure working capital program is, is 24 months. So uh, there are some merchant cash programs that are that are going out further and 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 have different terms, but in general, it's a very different product. Okay, okay. And so I know that uh, both brokers and uh, and probably some some actual business owners are listening to the show. So. Let's talk about just general advice for both parties. Let's, let's start with brokers first because that's who you, you deal with. I don't know what what about a hundred different brokers in the marketplace. Yeah, we we, we interact with and do business with a, about a hundred fifty more frequently 
but but a hundred total, yes. Okay, and so since you see kind of the, the successful, I'm sure you see some unsuccessful brokers. What advice would you give? I, I, you know, the, the marketplace. I've been seeing a lot of articles recently on how the marketplace is getting a little bit tougher for anybody trying to make a living offering yeah. these sort of products. What, what sort of advice would you give if someone was getting into the industry? Well, the, the first thing is that once you get outside of an A minus credit and you get into a more structured transaction where there, there is more anecdotal information that can be beneficial, the first thing I would say is that brokers can, can have better ratios and get more approvals the more information they provide. And I don't necessarily mean financial information, but, but anecdotal story information. Okay. How did the customer, when did the customer start the business? How long have they owned the business? Why are they obtaining the equipment? What, how is the equipment going to benefit their business? How much do they anticipate they'll, they'll make an additional revenue with the equipment? All that type of anecdotal story information really speeds up the underwriting process for us because at the end of the day, the, the financial information is very easy to digest and to perform due diligence on quickly, but the anecdotal stuff is what pushes a lot of deals over the, over the edge towards uh, from a decline to, to an approval. So that's the first thing I would say. Okay. The second thing I would say is that it's a transactional business. Uh, however, the, if I was a broker, I would be focused on how do I annuitize and, and turn my business into something that, that, that is annuitized in an industry that is very transactional in nature. And, and the way to do that is to focus on repeat customers. Sure. And too often, all parties involved are interested in closing that first transaction, that transaction that's in front of us. How do we get an approval and get, get this customer funded on the piece of, this piece of equipment? And what really should be the focus and the emphasis for all parties is is how do we put the right product in front of this customer to to ensure intermediate and long term success for 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 the customer. Successful customers long term become repeat customers, sure. and that's where that's where a broker uh, can turn a transactional relationship into a long term annuitized revenue stream. They want they want to get that customer financing for ten pieces of equipment, not one. And that's really where the focus, I think, needs to shift in our industry. So uh, basically, it's easier to keep a customer than get a new one. A heck of a lot easier. Yeah. Like like any any great marketing person would say, if you're going to start marketing, the first, the first people you need to market to are your current customers, and the second people you need to market to are, are the people that your current customers know. And so... By uh, focusing on being an advisor to those business owners versus someone who helps them get financing for that one piece of equipment, aligning your interests with, with the customer, with the vendor, with the funding partner, you're going to get repeat business, and that repeat business is the way that you annuitize your, your, your business long term. Great. Now, uh, what, what about business owners? I, I know a lot of uh, small business owners will be listening to this, this podcast. What general advice? Because I, I know a, a lot of times – Business owners listen to us talk or listen to what we say on the internet, and, and and sometimes it can be hard to figure out, you know, who's telling the truth. What what should folks be looking for? I, I think there there are four things that I would tell any business owner, uh, being a small business owner myself. The first is never borrow money to pay off other debt, and 
we talked a little bit about merchant cash advance and, and working capital programs, and they, they've just exploded recently. And it's and it's a great example of a fantastic product being applied to the wrong situations and to misused. And, and so never borrowing money to pay off debt is a great example of the way the working capital is being used because it's so easy to access. Oftentimes, business owner is is uh, getting a daily uh, ACH unsecured loan to pay off other debt and the the reason that they're getting it is because it's easy to get and it's the path of least resistance but it's not necessarily what's best for their business the product is great in a lot of scenarios but unfortunately it's it's uh, too often utilized when it doesn't make sense for the owner long term or or short term for that matter so that's the first thing I'd say the second thing I'd say is Make sure that you're you're supremely confident in the economics behind any lending relationship that you enter into. Too often, business owners are are interested in obtaining new equipment because they have a new contract, or they are are interested in expanding their business, but they're not paying attention to to the economics behind it. And, and a good example of that would be somebody that's been in an industry for a long time, and they are interested in going out on their own. So they are going to because they look at what they can what they can gross on a monthly basis versus what they get paid to for example drive a dump truck for somebody else they okay. want to obtain their own dump truck but what they're not what they're not paying close attention to is the carrying costs the insurance the maintenance all the extra expenses that go into to starting that new endeavor even though they know the industry inside and out and so being really confident in in the economics behind any relationship before you enter into a contract is really something that I think too many business owners don't do. Make sure that 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 revenue you anticipate that uh, equipment will create is going to cover that that payment many times over, and that it really makes sense for your business. Gotcha. So so basically, do the numbers and then do the numbers again. And yeah, and do them one more time. Gotcha. And and that's that's the way you, you set yourself up for success. I think doing what's best for your business, even when it's inconvenient, is is what all uh, small and, and medium sized business owners need to need to pay attention to. We all have issues when you own a small business with making sure that your accounting is 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 done properly and that each and every relationship you enter into is is benefiting your business. Sometimes that requires more shopping and due diligence and more patience, and that's difficult uh, some of the time. And the last thing I would say is, is related to that, and that's just to reserve, reserve, and reserve. And, and there, there, there are always going to be unexpected expenses when you run a small business, whether that be a, a key person that, that performs a key task for your business going down with an illness or injury or two key pieces of, of equipment uh, breaking down. And as difficult as it can be, I would tell every business owner there is always a way within your business to reserve for that rainy day. And it's, a, it's an absolute necessity if you want to be successful long-term. All the, all the businesses I've seen go from less established new businesses or, or businesses that were uh, materially impacted in a negative way in, in the recession of 2008 and have, have put themselves in a good position because they've reserved and, and they have uh, cash, access to cash and liquidity when, when those unexpected things occur. Gotcha. 
Any any big challenges that that you face going forward? I think for us, our biggest challenge is is to is to make sure, as as we've already discussed, that every every transaction that we enter into improves the situation for all parties involved, especially the business owner. We've got our our due diligence is not only to to underwrite the credit and whether or not we believe the customer is going to be successful and, and make sure they're, they're going to be able to pay, but also to make sure that it puts them in a position for intermediate and long-term success. And so our underwriting process has to be both at the micro level where we're looking at the, at the, the fundamentals and the economics behind each transaction and each piece of equipment we're, we're potentially financing, but also their business as a whole and whether or not it puts them in the position to be successful long-term. And then the other two challenges that we have is, is we're a collection company. We need to collect our money. That's something that we invest heavily in. Sure. Uh, our legal department, our collectors, our, all that. It's, it's a, as we discussed before, you know, 10 to 20% of our contracts in today's environment uh, require that department to get involved, and that will increase with a, with a softening economy. And then the other thing is to grow the, the number of, uh, of originators that we do business with. We're always looking for professional brokers and business advisors that have aligned their interests with ours and, and with their customers and uh, are interested in putting transactions together that make sense for all three parties. Great. Now, uh, when you say professional origination partners, what about a new broker? Can a new broker, because that's sometimes tough when someone just gets into the industry, uh, someone with a week of experience in the industry, could they still get signed up with you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what, we are uh, a small business advisory company in, in a lot of ways, and that would be applicable to that, that new broker relationship very much so. So we we can help them with the due diligence process, with the discovery process, putting packages together, all that. We We do that on a daily basis. We're always working with new brokers. Fantastic. So... For brokers who are looking to get involved with, with Black River, which, by the way, I, I highly recommend. I'm very happy uh, with the service that I received from, from Black River. We're going to put a link in the show notes so that you can uh, get to their website and that you may contact uh, Rob or somebody else. And, Rob, thanks, thanks for coming on the show. This was, I think, a fantastic podcast. All right. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Smarter Business Finance Podcast with your host, Rob Michela. Online at SmarterFinanceUSA.com, Twitter at SmarterFinanceU, and on Facebook.com slash SmarterFinanceUSA. We'll catch you next time.